Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning to everyone that's, that's on the Creating a Prayer Culture for God uh, prayer call this morning. We welcome all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God for each and every one of you this morning uh, joining with us this morning, our partners. Amen. Prayer warriors, intercessors from around the globe. You know, watch men and women stand on the walls for their cities and look out for the bad that's coming and and, and trying to protect the good that's already within the walls of the city. So we thank God this morning. We praise God this morning for uh, you this morning, your prayers, and, you know, building those spiritual walls that the enemy can form weapons, but they cannot prosper because of the prayers of the righteous. And so we thank God for you being able to pull down strongholds when you identify them over the cities and over your families and over even our even our enemies and, and just protecting the territory that God has given us influence and jurisdiction over in the spirit and by the spirit. So we thank God this morning, amen, for enlarging our territory and blessing us indeed to be able to pray and continue to cover uh, these geographical areas, cover these people that are out there that, that, that need people to stand in the gap and pray for them. And so your influence, is, it runs a lot further and covers more territory than you can imagine. It goes beyond our, our, our families and our local areas. Amen. And as we worship God, I believe that he expands even the more in the spirit realm, uh, you know, to defeat the adversary on our behalf. Amen. So we thank God for that. We don't take it lightly. We thank God this morning for our pastors, Pastor Sharon, Pastor Eric, Pastor Phoebe, uh, more than Conquered Warriors Christ Ministry, uh, their members, uh, amen, New Freedom Christian Ministry, our, our, our very own Minister Biggles and Minister Smith, and all of you there, amen, that represent various areas in your families, uh, if they be here with you in another country or whatever, you guys are, are very important to what God is doing because he said one can put a thousand to fight and two ten thousand Amen. And even when two or three of us gather together every morning like this, he says, I come in the midst, I'm in the midst. And God ain't in the midst of us, man, just to hear how good we are. He's in the midst to see if anybody remember how great and how good he is. Amen. And that's what worship is all about. Remembering who he is and what he did. Amen. Not where, but who and, and what he did. And we know, man, that he's already won the battle. He's already won the victory and he's given it to us. And we thank God for that victory that he's given us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you understand what we're talking about this morning. And that's why we ought to shout now and not wait till the battle is over. Because, boy, we're concerned. He's already made a show of him openly, already spoiled his principalities. And so since he did that, and he's never going to change. So he's doing that today. He'll do that tomorrow because God is a victorious God. He already defeated death in the grave. He already took the sting out of it, took the victory out of it. And so he wants us to live and not die and continue to do what we're doing, declaring the good work of God over this over this world, man. Amen. Because it is the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous that avail as much. So we thank God for this platform, these multiple platforms that we can come together and just, you know, do the will of God. Uh, this is all part of our reasonable service. This is worship, y'all. What we're doing is worship. And you got up this morning and you decided I'm getting on the call. You started worshiping God right then. Uh, when you start even thinking about getting on the call, you start with your thoughts of worshiping God. Everything we do is worship. Once we are born again, your whole life becomes a worship because you are a worshiper. And you can't go anywhere without your worship. You and your worship are one because you are the worshiper. And when God sees you moving, thinking, talking, living for him, he receives that as your reasonable service. That is worship. 
then when you go out and find something for your hands to do, that's more worship. It just gets better from there. Then when you meet that first person in your day, you say, hey, how you doing? That's worship right there because it all brings glory, honor, and praise to him. And so we just want to make a big deal about worship because God makes a big deal about worship. And he wants everything that we do as believers to uh, to be perceived by God and to be received by others as worship. Amen, because you are a worshiper. The question was asked this morning, uh, did you say yesterday, Pastor, that when you go to church, you bring your worship with you? Yes, that's exactly what I said, because when you look at yourself the way God looks at you, he sees you the worshiper before you ever get in the building to, to give him a worship song or a worship offering. And so, yes, you do take your worship with you. You take your praise with you. You take your offering with you, whether that be a physical offering or a spiritual offering. You take all of that with you. You take your hands in case there's some work to do. And whatever your hands find to do when you enter the building, that's worship. You do it as unto the Lord. So every act that we do, those are our acts, meaning more than one, not just one dimensional, but multifaceted. You know, everything we do, when you exhort that brother that comes through the door as an usher, that's worship. When you do, do you kind of get your bottle of water when it's kind of warm in the sanctuary? That's worship. Everything you do, can I get you a fan? That's worship. Everything we do for the Lord is a uh, act of worship. Amen. And so we need to we need to put a tag on it that it is worship to God. Amen. Whatever our hands find to do, as we read in the Book of Colossians, chapter three, verse seventeen, it's all worship. Amen. And we need to start thinking like that because. It's, if you go back to the book of John chapter 4, the lady, her thinking was impacted by her encounter with Jesus. Now, if she hadn't met Jesus, it had been all about just getting some water out of the well and going back to your sheep. But because she met Jesus, her thinking was interrupted. She came there for one type of water, but she left with a different type of water. That's the beauty of worship right there. When you come and you start changing the way you think about Jesus when you meet him, and we should all aspire to go to church to meet Jesus. I know you're going to meet everybody else, but once you get past them, Jesus is right there waiting on the fellowship. Holy Ghost is right there waiting on the communion. And that's when worship happens right there. When you present your body to him as a living sacrifice, holding up to God without a spot or without a wrinkle, bam, now worship can take place because it's all about him at that point. All right then. And so... You know, when, when when I leave that day, if it's about him, when I reach my destination in the church, it should still be about him. When when service is over and I walk back out the door, guess what? I brought him with me. I said, take him with me because I had him the whole time I was there. I don't leave him at church. I, I take the same God that I worship with me when I leave the church because I want to continue to worship him all the day long, early in the morning, throughout the day, and late at night. We will bless the Lord and greatly magnify him at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Amen. So just wanted to warm you up and preface, preface the message this morning with that. And so let's go ahead, man, and get before him this morning. Acknowledge him this morning. And recognize that he is God this morning. And thank him that he has given us the ability to pray. Even when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost helps us to pray. But I thank God that he gave us such a beautiful worship I, I call that that prayer that the disciples pray i call it a prayer of worship because it came straight from the god who desires to be worshiped and he says look you want to know how to pray when you pray pray in this manner worship me with prayer in this manner so we're going to do exactly that because we want to register in heaven this morning that father we didn't omit or overlook the prayer well we embraced it because it is a part of our worship amen 
And so let's pray this morning. Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power, and the glory. Father, it all belongs to you. And now, Holy Ghost, as we come this morning, we just ask you to continue to help us because you are the one that activates worship within our spirit. And we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. That we belong to him, that we've confessed him, that we're saved by him. Then we will worship him, the Savior. And so we thank you, Holy Ghost, for quickening us and bringing this to our remembrance that we have a God that needs to be glorified, a God that wants to be magnified, a God that wants to be worshipped by all who call him Lord. And so we thank you this morning, Holy Ghost, to keep this before us, that we never forget that when we go into the house of worship, we are the worshipers that worship God. As we go out of the house, we are still the worshipers that leave the house worshiping God. And so our whole life is about worship now that we're saved. And so we thank you, Holy Ghost, for helping us, sealing this in our minds, uh, just fortifying us with this, that whatever we do, it's all worship for the born-again believer. So thank you, Spirit of Worship, this morning for just being in each and every one of us. We ask you to bless the ears of the hearers out there today, God, that they can hear how important worship is to you. And that everyone today, Lord, got under the sound of my voice, will understand that worship begins when we begin to present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, holding stuff for God without a spot or without a wrinkle. And so we thank you now and we praise you now for sanctifying us to be worshipers that we will offer you our very best gift of worship, which begins with the worshiper. We thank you now. We praise you now. And we give you all the glory now. And I bless this word, Lord God, today. Bless this, this prayer call this morning. Bless everyone that's on here this morning. Our partners, Lord God, our pastors, our ministers. Bless all those extended family members, uh, uh, members of the body of Christ that are out there on the different platforms. The ones that rose early this morning to partner with us. Just to be able to hear a word from the Lord this morning. Just to be able to continue with us what we started yesterday morning. And again, at the 11 o'clock uh, worship service. God, we just thank and praise you now that people are out there want to hear what thus says the Lord, that they too may be able to worship a God, some of them a God that we don't, ever, we, don't, we, don't, we don't even know about. But we pray this morning that as we talk about you, that someone's mind would change like the woman at the well. And for the first time in their life, they'll begin to understand that they're dealing with Jesus and he is the Lamb of God that we worship. And so, Father, we thank and praise you this morning. We give you glory this morning. We worship you, Father God, in the name of your Son, Jesus. And we bow before you this morning. We humbly submit ourselves to you this morning. I have your way this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, then. I want to uh, really go back over to the book of John real quick, the fourth chapter. Just want to uh, preface a little bit from there. Uh, words that just kind of jumped out, out at me yesterday as I went back and took a look at this. And uh, I know we went over those verses, but... I just want to start with this word uh, right there. It just really piqued my interest and uh, kind of what I'm going to talk about this morning as we continue our discussion, you know, about the worship, amen, you know, and I uh, thought that, that uh, I want to continue with this morning. Uh, it is a word that says we must worship God uh, through Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. And the word I want to hone in on is the word must. And as you look at verse, uh, the, 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 the book of John, Chapter 4, uh, verse 24, uh, very powerful verses. I told you yesterday there was a lot in these here verses, verse 19 through 24. There was a lot in there. Amen. The whole subject matter was about worship. 
you have the woman there, her life changed. Uh, she went from being a, 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 a historian about worship, knew everything was, know about worship, but did not know who to worship, you know, and what she was worshiping. And so we see her attitude was changed. And then we see the disciples had a certain attitude, too, where they only dealt with the lust of the flesh. They were trying to feed the flesh. They didn't have time. They didn't want to deal with her. They thought she was unclean. And so they had a whole bunch of attitude problems, amen, about worship. And this whole thing was about worship. But when I got down to verse 24, as I went back yesterday just to go back over the lesson and make sure I had covered uh, basically everything that was in my notes, this particular word jumped out at me, and the thought began to develop in my mind, you know, about worship, you know, that we had just finished covering yesterday in two sessions. And I said, I got to go back and, and pick up on this because... I don't want anyone to go away thinking that worship is an option for a believer. It is the only option for a believer. Everything we do is worship. And so you eliminate everything else uh, and just focus on that. This is, a, this is a commandment from God. This is something that cannot be omitted, downplayed. But it is some, um, it's a level of ministry uh, that we should strive and aim to accomplish. Amen. Because everything in our lives begins right there is how we present ourselves to God. Amen. And so let me just read this to you. Uh, it was confirmed this morning with this question that Minister Smith asked. It was just a good caveat to what I'm going to talk about today. And I was like, wow, I know that was confirmation. So I appreciate her asking the question. Amen. And that's, that's for any of you too. If any time I make a statement and you're not clear about it, you don't offend me by asking me. I will clarify so I try to make sure that when I say something, I can come back and defend it and back it up with the word. Amen. I'm not out here just spewing out stuff. I put a lot of thought, study, prep, prayer, fasting, you know, before I get up here and say anything. I don't just shoot a whole bunch of stuff out there at you. Sometimes it may seem like I got a spiritual scattergun, but that's just how, you know, that's how I study, that's how I prepare myself. Sometimes I have so much information I want to get to you, it might seem like I'm, I'm speeding. And I might be. You have to call me to that. Do I say, Pastor, can you slow down? Can you go back over? Can you clarify? I'm not above that. You can tell me that. I'm not offended. I would do that because I want it to be accommodating to my listeners. I want you to be able to follow me, track with me. You know, good thing is that's why we record these messages, archive them, so you can go back and listen to it again. And I always go back and listen to what I talk about three or four times just to make sure that I, I actually covered what I wanted to cover. You know, and sometimes I may catch things and I'll come back and I'll correct myself and tell you that's what I, I said this, but that's not what I meant, you know. But um, great question that was asked. But let me just read this verse to you and then we'll go from there. Uh, this is in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24. And uh, remember, this whole subject is about worship. These verses here, 19 through 24. But look at 24. It says, God is a spirit. We acknowledge that. And they talking about the worshipers that worship him. I don't know about worshiping everybody else, but that worship him, talking about, about Jesus, talking about God through Jesus, must worship him. That, that word is must. So that, that that eliminates all of our options. That eliminates all of these other things people out there call worship and dress it up and call it praise and worship, three fast uncle, all that kind of old school stuff. You know, it eliminates all of that. It says that we must do it this way. We must do it by spirit and in truth, you know. And so we can't call it anything else, okay? This right here, man, clarifies all of that. It's that we must, those of us who worship him, must worship him 
in spirit and in truth. That's what God requires. That's what he requires of us right there. What That's what he requires. It is so, uh, the requirement, these are spiritual necessities. If you're going to make it spiritually, then you got to do the things that are necessary. These are spiritual requirements. And so I want to talk this morning from this subject right here. Uh, I was planning on finishing up this topic, but I don't know. He dropped some more things in my spirit that I went back and added to the note. So I'm going to run with this man as long as the Holy Ghost hold me in this pattern. But he said that we must worship God through Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth because we know Jesus is the truth. He is the way and he is the light. Now think about this. The book of John chapter 14, verse 6, it's a very powerful worship verse of Scripture. It said nobody, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And he said, no man, nobody can come to the Father except by me. Okay, so we worship him in spirit and in truth. We worship him through Jesus Christ, who is the truth, you know, in spirit and in truth, you know. And so we, we, we have to know that that is the truth. Jesus said, if I make you free, you're free indeed. You're free to worship. You're free to worship. You know, you're free to worship, you know, if you worship in the name of Jesus, through Jesus Christ, you know, if you worship in spirit and in truth, you know. And so that's the key right there. Everything else falls short of the worship he seeks and searches for and that pleases him. Now, you can do a lot of stuff to please people. You can get folk jumping and shouting. You know, some choirs can tear churches up, man. Have people goosebumps everywhere, toes praising God. And people will go out talking about that. Oh, that's the, them, they, oh, that choir, no, they saying, man, have my toes praising God. I used to make statements like that, you know, because that was kind of church talk. Everybody understood that, you know. But now we're living in an age, man, where God is very serious about his worship. And he's saying we must do it this way, period. You know, I, I pray and hope some clergy out there are listening to me. I pray and hope, man, some folks done spent thousands of dollars, man, for big old robes and all that to look good. I pray and hope, man, that they, they that they take a serious look at what we're doing in our churches called worship or praise and worship, you know, you know, and teach people what real worship that God, he said that we must do, teach them how to do that. That's what he wants. That's what he, that's what he seeks. That's what he searches for. And you can't have your life all jacked up. No Holy Ghost in you. Don't even preach and teach about the Holy Ghost. And thank you, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It's just, it's just not. It's the farthest thing from the truth. And this ain't me talking. I'm just echoing what the word is saying. It is necessary. It's, it's a spiritual necessity. If people are going to really worship God the way he wants to be worshipped, he says, you must worship me in spirit and in truth for it to be authentic worship, organic worship. That means filtered out from everything else. Old school, old him, all that stuff. And he goes on to say here, now that we are in Christ through faith, by grace, saved by the only acceptable worship is to offer ourselves completely to him, to the Lord. You know, and when you read in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, the King James Bible, I love the book of Romans. Look at what it says. Paul said, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And telling you this is something here that you can do, you must do it because God has made it uh, available for you to do it. Because he's instructing you to do it. Uh, you know, when Minister Smith asked the question this morning, you know, if you look at this verse right here, he says, you must present your body before you do anything else. When you step across that threshold in the church, that's your body. 
You're presenting it to God as a living sacrifice. That's your act of worship right there. You are a worshiper, and you're bringing God, your body, as a living sacrifice. Remember yesterday we learned that worship under the old covenant was all about sacrifice. They killed choice animals, cut them up in pieces, tied them to the altar, burnt them. They sent up in a room in a sweet smell to God, you know, giving up something of value. Those were the bodies then under that ceremonial ritualistic system. But that was, they, be, they be started giving God mad cow and all kind of stuff, and so he no longer accepted it. So then he sent Jesus, the spotless lamb, that died once and for all to open up another way for us to worship. And now it is, we are the, we are the sacrifice, but we are living sacrifice under the new covenant. And so that's the first thing that we present to God is our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God without spot or without wrinkle. That word holy means get rid of all the junk out of your life. You know you hung out all night last night at the club, so don't come busting up in the church at three, you know, and been out to three o'clock and then you throw on makeup and all that and come in and smell like alcohol. Get yourself together. Repent of all that stuff, you know. Don't come up in there trying to fake it to make it. Or wherever else you was at. Over to somebody's house party, playing cards or shooting that, whatever you were doing. And a lot of people are doing that, and they think, just because I go to church and be seen in church, that's acceptable. No, he said holy and acceptable. The word holy means consecrated, separated. That means you done repented, you done got rid of all the baggage, you done examine yourself before you cross that threshold. Why? You're presenting your body to him as a living sacrifice. And remember, the reason they did away with the old system, it was something tainted about the sacrifice. Lord had to go in there and clean the house because they were doing all kind of stuff, selling all kind of stuff to people. And it was not the best offering that could have been offered. And so the Lord just eliminated that system and sent Jesus to be offered one time, spotless lamb, setting another precedent that everything that comes after me, after him, is going to have to be the living sacrifice. And that's us. And so when you come to the house of God, before you cross that threshold, make sure you sit in the car for a few minutes and examine yourself. Don't just rush up in there because you're running late. Why? You're getting ready to present your body to him as a living sacrifice. And you want it to be accepted. You want God to accept you the minute he sees you crossing the threshold. And you do it boldly. If you done repented and got rid of all this baggage, you do it boldly. You don't come in there, man, I hope nobody saw me last night. I hope they didn't see me cross the street. That's still getting them lotto tickets, you know. You don't want all that guilt. You want to come in there, man, free of all that, separate from all that, then repentant of all that, or wherever you were at last night, or whatever you were doing. You want to come in there, man, knowing that I'm getting ready to present my body to God as a living sacrifice. I ain't worried about what nobody is wearing, what nobody is doing, how they're looking at me, staring me down. I ain't looking at them. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. You know, I'm like that woman at the well. I perceive that you are a prophet. You are a man of God. I got to be careful, Lord, because you've been exposed to everything about me, and he did and he still does it. So you have to be careful. Amen. You know, present that body, you know, the living sacrifice, holy number one, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the least you can do for all that he's done. And that's in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the King James Bible. How? How do we do this? He says, in holiness and sanctification, as a believer, as believers, I'll, I'll make it plural, free from all sin of any type. We do that by repentance. We know what the Bible says in the, uh, the first book of John, of John, the first book of John, chapter one, verses seven through nine, the King James Bible. It tells us that God is faithful and just to forgive anybody if they ask Him and cleanse them of all unrighteousness. That's how you prepare to come into the house of God. 
You do all of that before. Live that life of repentance that keeps you sanctified, that keeps you holy. You don't have to go back and get saved again. It used to amaze me how people would wait all, or they did all that stuff at night. They're going to wait till they get to church and then come up to the altar and want to confess all them sins. And I mean, these are saved people. And I'm saying, how many times you got to tell you that anytime you realize you messed up, you have to ask God to forgive you who's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all your unrighteousness right there on the spot. That's another act of worship. You don't have to go back and get saved again. You know, it ain't once saved, always saved. You're saved, okay, by faith, uh, by grace through faith. Okay, that part is true. But you also have to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. All the way to the end. Okay, you have to endure to the end. So it ain't once saved, always saved. But we don't have to go back and be re-saved again. But you do have to repent of your sins. And God will cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. So that's why we live a, try to live a life of repentance. We call it a repentant life. Always, you know, always repent. I'm getting ready to go into the presence of God. I'm getting ready to worship him. And my worship started the minute I decided I'm going into the house of God. You know, I'm not going to see my friends. I'm going to see him. And so it's all about holiness and sanctification. As believers, we're free from all sin of any type. Okay, we're washed, we're renewed, we're cleansed, we're regenerated, we're sanctified, we're consecrated, we're separated from things profane. You got to get that about yourself. Once you are saved, you have to stay saved. You have to keep yourself repentant. For all, for all the above reasons I just read, you want to stay free from all types of sin. You never want sin to be, be, a, you be a slave to it anymore. You used to dominate us. But see, it no longer has dominion over us, even though we're still sinners saved by grace. In other words, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. But we're saved by grace. So that means you're still going to mess up. But you don't have to condemn yourself because there's therefore not no condemnation. But I do have to repent of my sins. I do have to do that now. That's my way out. But I don't use that as no license to go out here and do stuff. I'm thinking, I'm just going to repent before I go to church. Don't work that way. That's, that's hypocritical. That, you know, that's hypocrisy. You know. But there is a way for you to be washed, renewed, cleansed, regenerated, sanctified, consecrated, separated from things profane. You know. Why? Because I want to present my body to God with you know, without all of that, as new creatures, that's the key right there. I got to think of myself as a new creature, okay? Uh, where old things are gone, they are passed away, but those of us who still like that old school, that old way, I hear it all the time, we probably need to go back to the old way of doing things, you know, with these kids these days. No, just worship God, just change them kids with a lot of form but no power. Yeah, they had they 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 sang them their socks off back. They beat the hide off your butt, you know. But they had form, but they had no power. So they couldn't help me. They could help me physically, put the fear of God in me, but they couldn't do nothing for me spiritually because they didn't even have the spirit of God in them. Uh oh, I don't want to hear that. They had that form, but they didn't have the power, you know. Which was okay because God didn't hold them against what they didn't know. You know, He wanted them to know. He held those leaders who wouldn't let them know. He kept them bound by tradition. And there were a few that broke free from that and, and, and entered into another realm. But it wasn't often. You know, it wasn't often that tradition of men had them bound. You know, made the glorious gospel, the real gospel of no effect. Thank God the day that you're getting the real gospel. Thank God you ain't stuck in old school and old ways. Thank God you are a new creature born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, sealed, healed, and got the victory. You know, 
thank God you can now worship him in spirit and in truth, you know. And he goes on to say in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 4 through 10, uh, the King James Bible, he said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were yet dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Don't forget that. Another reason to worship God. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why we always tell you to fight from the position of victory. Worship from the position of victory. Look at what God is where he acceded to. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why our worship to the Father is in the name of Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. Okay? Who is the truth? That in the ages to come. These are the ages that have come, y'all, what we're in right now, and even beyond us, even beyond now. we got to look beyond now. That in the ages to come, there are more ages coming, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his uh, kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. That's why we worship him as a Savior, because nobody else could save us but him. He is entitled to all of our worship, and we must worship him for who he is, you know, for who he is, what he is. He's a savior. Who he is is what he is. He's the savior of the world, okay? When that lady recognized him, she knew that. When we recognize who he is, we worship him for who he is and what he did. Amen. And he says, this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. All these folks talking about how great the choir sang and how great the lead singer was and how great the world, oh, that anointing on that worship leader, like I said, twitching all over the place, throwing people off, confusing people, getting all excited about that. But God said, look at that. Look, look, look what he says right there. Worship is a gift from God. The ability to worship is a gift from God. And he said, this is not a works. You can work the crowd if you want to. You can work them up. You can get them all excited, get goosebumps on the arm. But if you ain't got the spirit of God, it's just a form. It's not in spirit and in truth, okay? It's skill. It's talent. Excite the crowd. Ain't changing no lives. Ain't changing no minds. Ain't changing no attitudes, you know? Because once the service is over, you go right back to doing what you did. You don't take the worship with you because you didn't bring none with you. Didn't get none while you were there. Got a lot of form, a lot of show, a lot of entertainment. But when the spirit of God is there, he, and you worshiping in spirit and in truth, there'll be some brokenness. There'll be some contrite people. You'll see some folks getting touched throughout the sanctuary. You'll see. You'll hear some crying, some moaning, some groaning. If the Spirit of God is there, He will convict of sin from last night, the night before, whenever. You know that's what He does. When you're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, that atmosphere changes. It becomes conducive to that kind of move of God. That's when it's real worship. You know. And then He don't despise that broken heart. Least any man should boast. Uh, boasting about how well your worship service went. Think about how well how, how well God was worshipped and what he did as a result of that. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should do what? Walk in them. That's again in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 4 through 10, the King James Bible. Now worship can happen. Now worship can happen because it ain't got nothing to do with us. When we die, then the Spirit of God can come alive in us, man, and, and we can act like we're the handiwork of God. We can act like we created by him and not we ourselves. He, we, he made us. We didn't make ourselves, you know. 
We are the sheep of his pastor. I think someone said the other day in the book of Psalms, chapter 100, verses 3. You know, got to know that about ourselves. You know, I know we think it's about us and all that. No, you know, some folks do. I know it ain't about on the phone like that. Then we go on the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 23, the King James Bible, and it says this, as we continue to make this case, what we must do. It says strength. We can't do it unless God strengthens us. He says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power under all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, not in darkness, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. There it is again. Now, look where we sit at. We worship from that position right there. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, from our Jesus now, from except for by him were all things created that are in the heavens and that are in the earth and visible and invisible. So man didn't create worship. Man didn't create nothing in serving God. God is the one who ordained the church. He's the head of the church. And we have to go by what he said about his bride, what he wants, what we must do, you know, is what he tells us. If you're going to operate, function, uh, represent me as a church, I have already given you the laws. I've already given you the rules. I've already given you the instructions. You know, you just got to line up with what I say it do and not what you say do. It's the tradition of men that have made what I said of no effect. Get back to it and then you can worship me. You know, in spirit and in truth. You know, and he said, created him by him and he is before all things. Oh, let me go back up here. He said, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him. I don't care how big a church you big. I don't care how long it's been in the family. You know, all them things that you build are coming down. But what God builds, it will stand forever. That foundation will never be cracked. It will never be changed. That that has been built on the apostles and the prophets' teaching, the, the apostolic teaching, that foundation, that, that he told Peter upon this rock, I'm going to build my church in the gate. That, that, that's the kind of worship he wants right there that comes off of that kind of foundation. You know, that's real worship. Because of the foundation it's built on. Now you can really worship God. You know, all that other stuff, man, that we build and we come up with and we create to try to excite people and get their attention thrown off of off of worshiping God and worship now they're worshiping people and your favorite artists and your favorite whatever band, you know, it's just taking all the focus off of where it should be, which is on him. The one who made it all. Every throne, every principality, all that stuff to be worshiping, it should bow down before him. All of it. Because he created everything, you know, everything, you know, everything. You know, even though Satan, you too going to worship me. He says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminent. My God, I love that word preeminent. That nobody will rise above him. Nothing is higher than him. Nothing was before him and nothing to be after him. Nothing right now is greater than him. Nothing was greater than him. Nothing will be greater than him. He is he has preeminence. He's already determined that before the foundation of the world. He didn't come here to get man's permission. Can people worship me in your church? He said if they don't worship me, then it ain't my church. It's your church. 
then they can worship you. But if it's my church, then they're going to worship me. If they call by my name, they're going to pray to me. They're going to worship me. You know, He said, for it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in the heavens, you got to understand what he's saying there. I don't require the earth to worship me and heaven not worship me. Angels are bowing before him right now. They're going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come again. We're just preparing down here to join them when we transition. So he's requiring the same thing. That's why he said, pray that my will be done in earth as it is in heaven. They're worshiping all the time. That's what they do all the time. They just bow. They ain't got time for nothing else. They ain't got time for no craziness. They ain't got time for no ugly thoughts. They ain't got time to be worried about the next angel, what they're doing. Every one of those angels in their place, every one of those 24 elders, all, they're casting their crown. Because everything is about him, about his glory, his brightness. You know, he, he is the, the light of heaven, you know, of glory. And they're bowing before him. They're acknowledging him. They got the right thinking about him. They know who he is. They know who they're worshiping. They bow before him, you know. And he's saying, right now, I want people on this earth to grab my feet and bow before me and worship me in the spirit and in truth. And people these days don't even bow anymore. Come in and say, you got call everybody to the altar. Everybody come and stand. Nobody want to bow at the altar and repent and cry out to God. Nobody want to lay on the altar. Like they're afraid that all they're gonna catch fire and they're gonna burn up or something. You know. And sometimes people come and they stand ten foot back from the altar. You tell them, come on, you know, what are you afraid of? Get rid of that stuff out your life so you can come and I, I like to go lay on the altar. One of the things that we implemented a while back and and, and, and I know it's in more than conference wars and in New Freedom, is your service starts at the altar. The people walk in, they go straight to the altar and they pray. They kneel down, and unless they have some type of physical ailment that they can't kneel, I see them bowing their head. It, it brings joy to my heart because I know it lights up heaven. I know the Father be so pleased to see that, that our people now just come in, they go to the altar, you know, and they pray. You can hear them praying. That's where your service starts. You're presenting yourself, and they say that prayer, Father, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice, holding yourself in the God without a spot or without a wrinkle. Bam, now they're ready to they're ready to get into that real, real serious worship service they can hear from God. It starts right there at the altar. You know. You know. And now folks got some folks, man, they ain't thinking about no altar. You know, remember when Noah and them came out the ark, the first thing they did, they didn't forget. It was God who had told them what to do. They did it. Now him and his family had survived. Worship will keep keep you keep you alive. Worship will keep you surviving. I don't care what's going on around you party and all that other stuff going on, all that busyness, all that old school stuff going on around you, just like it was in their day. And the Lord said that day will be again. So we need to be worshiping right now because that day will come again. And if he requires them to worship him and create an altar, he's requiring us right now. God ain't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. Worship is worship when it comes to God. You know. Sorry, Rock, but you won't get this chance. He says, uh, uh, things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated in enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh to, to death. He died for 
us to reconcile us back, brought us back, gave us the freedom to come back to the Father that we could worship him. And he says, to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. There it is right there. When you appear before God, then repent of all your sins. You got to know that there's no blame. There's therefore now no condemnation. You can present your body and why you repent it. You ask God to forgive you. He forgave you and washed you and cleansed you of all your unrighteousness. You know, now you can feel free to present your body to him in, in his sight. And he says, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of, of, of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Okay, if you do that, look at what Paul's saying. I'm not going to be no minister and be no hypocrite. No, no, no. I'm going to be first to take I'm not going to tell you and instruct you to do it and I'm not do it. So that's what get me about some of these folks. You go in the church, man, they sitting there, man, with the legs open, you know, looking and you staring at the women. It's so big about to fall off the seat. But everybody else in there, you telling them to praise God and worship God. You sitting there, man, like you done died and with them. Get into the worship. You, you, you as a minister, you're not exempt from worshiping God. You're the lead in the worship. You are to be the example. You know, you don't just end up dictating, telling people what to do. You do it too. You know. Don't no division in the house. You doing one thing, tell me one thing, they doing something else. No, no, it doesn't work that way. I know why y'all have all these high power, high energy worship leaders, because you don't want to be the leader. You want them to lead that portion of the service and you want to get up there for fifteen minutes of fame and beg for money and tell them about all this other stuff. But I love to get involved. We we're pastors, man. We lead in worship. We get in worship. We're a part of worship. We worship as one body. One voice crying out to God. We don't have y'all doing one thing, we doing something else. No, we all have one audience, and that's Christ. And we worship together as one voice, one body, many members. Fitly, nitly, rightly joined together, where everybody's supplying something to the body that it may edify itself in love. Nobody's exempt. We all are there to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. And so let's go just a little bit further here uh, before we bring this in. Amen. Uh, yesterday, I, I, I gave you a scripture uh, out of the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse uh, 12 and 13, the King James Bible. But I'm going to go and give you Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 20, 23, today, the King James Bible. Talking about what we must do to worship God. It says, uh, when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Couldn't worship God. You was free from that because you have to be righteous to worship God. And you can't make yourself righteous. Asking him to forgive you of your sin makes you righteous. Because the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses you. That's how we're righteous. Now we can worship Abba Father. We can cry Abba Father, which is worship. But before I can cry Abba Father, I got to worship him by asking him to forgive me. That's worship. All that's worship. And that's where it starts at. It says, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then and those things whereof ye are now ashamed? None that God was interested in. You know, fig tree was green as it could be, but had no fruit on it. Good for nothing. Definitely wasn't good to worship God. It had to become righteous through the blood of Jesus, through the cross of Christ. Now I can offer him worship that he'll receive. He said, for the end of those things is death. If I'd have stayed there, it'd have been death. Wouldn't have matter what I worship. I'd have been dead in sin because that's what it does. But now being made free from sin, what my what is my problem now? I must worship him now because I'm free. I don't have no excuses. And become servants to God as another level of worship, serving God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness. There's another level of worship right there. Fruit unto holiness. It's acceptable unto God. 
and the end in the end everlasting life. Look at the reward. Look at the reward for worshiping God in holiness and in and righteousness and sanctification. For the wages of sin, uh uh-uh, is death. That's the other option. We don't want to go that route. We don't want to pull that level. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the reward for worship, eternal life. It brings you, as you worship God, as you keep yourself repentant, as you keep yourself clean before God, as you continue to be the righteous God, as you continue to present your body to him without a spot or without a wrinkle, which is your reason for service, holy and acceptable unto God. Look at what's going to happen. You're going to gain eternal life one day. You have it now, but you got to maintain and hold on to it. you got to fight for it. How do I do that, Pastor? By keeping myself in a position to worship God. Making sure everything my hands do. Making sure everything I think, say, all that lines up. It is not easy. If you think I'm telling you something that's easy, it takes a lot of work. But the Word can help cleanse you. The Word can help regenerate you. The Word can help renew your mind. The Word, uh, you know, and just keeping your mind stayed on the Lord, as we read in the book of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Keep your mind stayed on the Lord. He'll keep you in perfect peace. You ain't got to worry about all that old school stuff and all that old, you know, it won't enter your mind. Because you're thinking about Jesus. And that perfect peace overrides all of that. And when you look in, the, again, the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, and verse 2, the King James Bible, I know we just went over verse 1. It says, I beseech ye, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, supple unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, here's the problem, and be not conformed to this world. A lot of stuff going on out there in this world called worship, but it says, be not conformed to that. He don't even have anything to do with it. Separate yourself from it. He said, but ye, he said, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when you renew your mind like that lady did, it'll change your attitude and you'll start worshiping God for who he is. You'll even start recognizing him for who he is. You'll see better who he is, who you're dealing with. That ye may be that good. Look at that. Now, worship is good. It's good to worship God, you know, because you know who he is. That's a good thing to worship God. To present your body to God. But I can't do it if I got stuff in my life that don't need to be there. That hinders my worship. Got me feeling guilty when I should be free. You know. And he says, and acceptable. Do what is acceptable to God. And he tells you what's acceptable. You know. Presenting your body to me as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God without spot or without wrinkle. Here's your reasonable service. That's reasonable. When I know how to repent. When I know how to ask them to forgive me. Don't have to go back and get re-saved again. I just got to get the sin out of my life. And I do that by repenting. And perfect, meaning mature enough to do it. You know, not guilty, blameless, I'm not condemned. I'm just mature enough to understand that God is faithful and just to forgive me if I just ask him. I don't have this forgiveness because I don't ask. It hinders my worship. You know, my acts of worship, okay, which is multiple. And it says the will of God. You know, that's what worship is. It's, it's, it's fulfilling the will of God for his people, that they were worse. When he told Moses to go tell Pharaoh ten times and let my people go so that they could go and worship me. That's over in the book of Exodus. Let them go. Thank you. The third chapter, the verse 12. Let them go so they could go worship me. That's what God wanted more than anything. He created a people, a whole race of people to worship him, to serve him, to honor him, to live on earth for him, to be an example to everybody else. And they blew it. And so then it was offered to us, first the Jews, now us, we've been offered the opportunity to worship God. We've been engrafted in. We've been adopted in as children under the dispensation of grace. And we can't blow it. They blew it. We can't blow it. We know too much about it. We can't doubt it. This has been a gift given to us by God. They had it, but they blew it. 
They're going to get it back in the end because every knee going to bow and every tongue going to confess. But we need to be doing that right now because we, we have the insight. We have the wisdom. We've been taught. We heard it. We see it right here. You know, true worship extends beyond the wall. Okay? Uh, as born-again believers, our behavior, okay, uh, is actually worship according to the Word of God. Everything we do, our behavior. You know, it has to go beyond those four walls in the church. That's great. That's great what we do inside the building. What about when I come out of the building? If not, then we must be guilty of conforming to our uh, patterns, our behavior, according to worldly standards. That's the difference. If there is a difference in my worship when I'm in the church and the music is going, then when I'm outside when there is no music, then I'm conforming to the things of the world. Might be a little bit of being ashamed of who I am as a Christian. Might be a little bit ashamed of who he is as God. A lot of folks don't like to call the name of Jesus. That say they're born again. Some don't even want you to pray in that name. He said, such as positive thinking. Too many people right now uh, have, have, instead of calling the name of Jesus, keeping their mind stayed on the Lord, like Isaiah 26 and 3 says, they just think about it. They'll say, well, I'm just going to keep my thoughts positive. I'm just going to think positive. That ain't worship. Keep your mind stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have perfect peace. He said, about no positive thinking. That goes, this goes above the level of positive thinking. You know, that's psychology. That's psychiatry talk. You know, which can improve your behavior, okay? But it is about a believer's behavior toward God. You know, positive thinking can, can can for people with mental illness. You know, it can improve your behavior. You, comp- you, you know, you can uh, compound that with a little bit of psychiatric medication, and you good. Don't bring you no closer to God. It don't it don't offer, it don't offer no worship to God because you're positive thinking and you're taking some kind of medication. You know. But, you know, when it comes down to the believer, our behavior has to be a behavior of worship. Our attitude has to be one of thinking about him. And that's when we get perfect peace right there. You know, it says, uh, do we voluntarily give our devotion, our energy, our thoughts to God all the time and all day long? Remember, we must worship God in spirit and in truth. Do we do that? How often do we remember to present our bodies to God? Do we do it sometimes to get or when church comes up or I'm on the way to church? Do we present our bodies as a living sacrifice and holy? That's the difference now. They're just dragging your child body into church and complaining about everything and can't wait watching your watch to get out of it so you can go get some rest because you was up all night watching movies or whatever on the computer. How? Acceptable and reasonable. Remember that word. God wants what is acceptable and reasonable, you know. And we should know what that is, you know. If I'm feeling guilty about it, obviously God must feel terrible about it. And some of you know sometimes, you know, we done learned so much how to fake it to make it. But it's unreasonable to do that, you know. When we know that God requires us, he said we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Do we make it a habit and uh, ongoing practice not to be conformed to this world? Or we can't wait to get out there and conform to this world. I'm, I'm just throwing these things out there because they came up uh, in my, my devotion. It says, do we aim and strive to please God in word and deed or just in word? But I don't do the word. Don't do the word. Showing that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. If somebody want to emulate what you're doing, if somebody see Christ in you, remember yesterday, the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 talked about as he is, so are we in the earth, so are we in the world. You know, some folks are going to see Christ in us before they see him anywhere else. All through his letter to the Romans uh, has shown what our spiritual acts of worship is or should be, and that is by offering ourselves 
as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And again, the verse that we built this on is in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, as we prepare to close. And it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the King James Bible. So, how can we apply this to our lives today? I will tell you one good reason. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. And I gave you a scripture yesterday in the book of First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, the King James Bible. I'm not going to go there and go back over that. But we gave you that yesterday. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and end right here. Uh, I do have a couple more scriptures, but I won't try to jam them in today. Uh, I was planning to finish this today, but I went back and added some more things because I saw that word must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so that's what we have to do. We must worship God through Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. That is a commandment that we cannot, we cannot alter that. We cannot go away from that. If we are born again, believers, filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, seal, feel, heal, and have the victory, then we worship God from that position of victory right there. We must do that. Anything else is unacceptable. unreasonable. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you this morning, Lord God, again for your word. We thank you for the instruction. We thank you for the commandment that we must worship you in spirit and in truth. It is high time, Lord. The day is upon us. The time has come now that the true worshipers of God will worship you in spirit and in truth, not only in the church, but outside of the church, not only when there's music, but when there's no music. Let this become, Lord God, a part of our daily routine, our life, God, that every day we are searching for, we are looking for ways that we can continue to, to prove ourselves and prove you, God, that you are our God, not being ashamed of you, Lord, God, not being blamed by the, by, by any uh, anything or anyone, God, but Father, always looking forward to blessing you, to worshiping you, God, to, to honoring you, God, in everything we do, in word and in deed, Lord, God. Letting our light so shine that many women will see our good works and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven. So, Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus. We pray right now that the word must is resonating with your people right now. That they're eliminating all the other options. They're eliminating conforming to the things of the world and using the worldly standards of worship as their standard. God, we're praying right now in the name of Jesus. Eliminate the very thoughts about old school and, and old ways and going back to the good old days. And Father, let us begin right now to embrace the spirit of worship right now, Lord God, the day that we're living in, in this current and present situation. Let us begin to keep our minds stayed on you that we might walk in perfect peace that no thought, no high thing that try to come and exalt itself will hinder us from worshiping you in spirit and in truth, Lord God. And Father, let us begin to prepare ourselves as we make up our minds every every morning as we're going into the presence of the Lord. Let us deal with all of our own personal issues that stand in the way, every way, every sin that will either be set up. We know them before anybody else knows them, God. Let us, let us get rid of them. Let us repent of them. Let us ask for forgiveness as we come before you to present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. Let every individual under the sound of my voice right now, God, let them understand that we don't have to go back and get re-saved. We just have to repent because you are faithful and just to forgive us as we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness because we want our worship gifts to be accepted of you. We want to present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice without spot or without wrinkle and holiness acceptable to you, which is our reasonable service, our acceptable service to you, God.
God. We are the worshipers of God. And you want us, God, before you want our, our, our gifts, God, before you want our songs of praise. You would rather have us, God, to present ourselves to you, God. And we can come boldly before your throne of grace, God, as a living sacrifice, God. As you said, holy, acceptable unto God, perfect, your Lord God. And so, Father, we thank and praise you right now. Let this word go forth and sanctify the ears, sanctify the lives, sanctify the soul, sanctify the spirit of all those out there now that are listening, oh, Lord God. I thank you. You sent your word, Lord God, and I thank you for sending your word. It's not coming back, Lord, as you prayed for your disciples in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 8. You said, Father, sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth, God, because you want us to be able to offer ourselves to you, Lord God, as living sacrifices of our holy and acceptable to God without spot or without wrinkle. You said we must worship you this way in order for it to be acceptable, God. So, Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that this word, God, will continue to minister, let it fall on good ground, let it do what you sent it to do right now, let it never come back, boy. I thank you for the worshipers right now. I thank you for the lost souls being saved and becoming worshipers. I thank you for the backside of coming back to worship a God who's married and faithful, who's a covenant God. I pray right now that prodigal sons and daughters are coming back to their first love, that they may worship you, God. I pray right now that the mature and the immature are beginning to understand the importance of worship, what we must do, God, to please you. We give you praise for it now. We give you glory and honor for it now, Lord. Let this resonate with those on this line right now, God. And, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we do what we must do to worship you. Keep ourselves holy before you, God, consecrated, separated, Lord God, and sanctified by thy word. We give you praise, Lord, and honor for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, man. Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank God this morning for his word. Amen.